Welcome to Victory GP. We're excited you've joined us, and we hope you're impacted and inspired by today's message. Now, one of the things that is is big, and I want to just clarify this for anybody who is maybe new to the things of God or new to the church, um, what you join when you come and you give your life to Christ is you join the family of God. You join the kingdom. You join something that there is, you literally have family members around the world. You literally will find, if you go on a missions trip or you're worshiping in another place and they might be singing and worshiping in a language that you don't understand, but your heart connects with it and you're like, yep, this is home. This is, this is my people. Like this is, this is family. It's because we share the same father. And, and there's a thing that we, we all know that you can sit in a church for decades and never actually become a Christian. You can, you can have a really good pattern of attending church and never actually have given your life to Christ, which is the primary thing. Like that is the core of what we're after is, is to experience God fully, to know his heart, to feel his love, to accept his forgiveness. And so, you know, there's different church organizations around the world that, you know, sometimes people can give decades of their life to serving in that church and never hear, this is how you meet Jesus. So that's something that we're passionate about around here. But I'm going to talk about the other side of this today. Um, and Johnny mentioned it in the announcements. And this is the family stuff. And so um, I feel really passionately about this. I know not every church does, but I do. And you're stuck with me for right now. So um, that's, that's just what it is. But I'm, I call this the family business. And I can't, I can't express well even how deeply I feel about the church. Um, and what I mean by that, I love the broader body. I love the kingdom of God. I love citywide stuff. I've given like years and years and years of my life to pouring into citywide stuff. I mean, we used to do Praise 24. Uh, Wayne knows from pretty much from November to, to March, that was all we talked about. That was all we lived was organizing the church in the city to gather together for a worship event, right? So I love that. But there's something deeper, and it is the family. And the family of God is the, bra the broader family, but the family of Victory GP is what we are here. And uh, just to give you a little bit of history about this, this is not, you know, this is our logo that we kind of uh, got opened up for us a couple years ago. And it's, it's very specific in what it says. It is the uh, my house, my family. And the my house is everything from God saying, my house shall be called a house of prayer for all nations. It's a, it's a comment on how we engage God as a family. But it's also my house. Like, I take responsibility. You take responsibility. We come into the house of God and we don't go, somebody should clean that up. We go, oh, that needs to be cleaned up. And we do it, right? You know, you don't walk through the parking lot and go, wow, somebody needs to pick up that Timmy's cup. You saw it, it's yours. That's family. That's how it works. It's my house. It's my family. And family is an interesting concept. I've never really understood until the last few years in having dialogue with people that that word is actually offensive to a lot of people. It's, it's because of natural history, because of your biological families or different circumstances that you've walked through. Maybe family is like a harsh word. When we say, in this family, we whatever, welcome family, good morning family, we authentically mean it. We authentically are seeing this as 
family. And so that's something that we get to choose to be part of. When we enter into the kingdom of God, when we say yes to Jesus, the spirit of adoption invites us into his family. But being part of the local church, it's the place where we get to choose whether we want to be part of it or not. And there's different kinds of families all around the city. There's different ways and expressions of, of how God operates. And you get to choose whether that's the spot that you feel like God's leading you to be part of or not. But then the bottom part, Joshua 24, 15. So these things with logos, we try and get as much on there as we possibly can without crowding it out and so it can still sit on a hat or something. But, you know, we will serve the Lord. The whole part of that verse is, as for me and my house, we will serve the Lord. As for me and my house, we will not be a social club. As for me and my house, we will not be a community group. As for me and my house, we will not sit and bicker about the color of the carpet. As for me and my house, we are not going to egg each other on to wrath. As for me and my house, our focus is we will serve the Lord. And of course, that should be every Christian's goal. But as a house, this we feel strongly enough about that we put it on our logo. You know, and it's got the three stars on it. It is Father, Son, Holy Spirit. We will not ignore the Holy Spirit. So we're a Holy Spirit-driven kind of church. We believe that the, the Father welcomes us all in and that Jesus is the only way to salvation. So there's a lot in a logo. You know, when you see it, it's like we're actually trying to... That's our whole theology there, right there in that, that thing almost. But... Um, that's, we're, we're really serious about we, how we do things here. And I want to walk through just some of this stuff, um, just to give you a reminder for those who have been here before. It's about culture, and it's about who we are as a family. So this is more of a family meeting than a sermon, but I think it will speak to us anyway. Um, some of the stuff about family is that it's, it's, um, it's a wineskin that we step into when we're talking about the things of God. It's a wineskin that contains a measure of the Spirit of God. We were talking about how uh, even during COVID, you know, every church responded differently. And in hindsight, every church had a different assignment is what it is. Every church had a, a people group that they were supposed to reach in a way that they could reach them. And for instance, we had, uh, we, we immediately went into, oh my goodness, like we heard like stores are going to be closed, whatever. And we set up... Um, like a pantry in the, in the, uh, actually we even moved it upstairs. Come and get groceries. We opened it up to the community. You know, nobody came. Like nobody came. Like our, our own church family, we were able to bless a ton within. But for the community, nobody came and asked for groceries. It was super weird. We ended up boxing them up and taking them to the Salvation Army. Because a lot of people came because that's part of their assignment. So every church has its assignment. We had meals and stuff that were prepared. We ended up taking it to the Oasis because they had the feeding program. And we were able to bless that way. But we didn't have people coming and ask for it. So we're like, okay, what is our thing? And we, we started getting phone calls for like, do you do deliverance ministry? <laughs> uh, you know, we got, we got somebody in our household who's suicidal. Do you counsel that sort of stuff? Um, we're just like, we feel like we're losing our mind. Like everything seems against us. Can we come and talk to you? Like, can you explain how God views things right now? Or, you know, like our assignment was different. And so we, we don't apologize for who we are. We just live it fully, right? And so that wineskin becomes, that's what we're supposed to carry in this house. Our hope, our goal, is that when people encounter this house, that they encounter the presence of God and they leave changed. Yeah. 
Because really you can't come into the presence of God and not be impacted by him in some way. You know, whether it's, you know, it pokes a little frustration button in you or it's usually this radical love and acceptance that you don't think you deserve. But it's there. And so this, this family is... Um, carrying the wineskin of what God wants us to do. And this is the specific thing. 2019 is when we launched into aggressively calling this a family, not a church. Um, and it was because the Lord spoke to me that, that year. And I don't know if you guys remember, we, did, we were in the parade and our shirts all said, we are family. And people are looking at us like, what does that even mean? Like, that's weird. It was a prophetic statement. It was something that we said before we knew how to act on it, but that's what we felt. And what the Lord had said to me was, it will take a family to sustain what I intend to do. That was the phrase. It will take a family to sustain what I intend to do. And I thought, that's super weird. Um, I love the local church. I've never, I, I, I mean, let's just face it. I grew up in the um, crossover generation where people got a little bit too friendly and it was like, hey, brother, hey, sister. And it's like, it's like weird, churchy strangeness. So I, I had, come on, we've all had that, you know. You're like, you, you're odd. Um, how, so, you know, so I like didn't love this concept of whatever. Now I find myself and I'm like, hey, brother, how you doing? And I'm like, I probably sound like this weird middle-aged white lady just... I don't know. What I, now I'm the weird person. But I've learned that this thing that God calls us to is for his purposes. And my eyes have been open to see very differently. I got a phone call from Len Zodeman the same summer. Some of you know him. He's a, a father in the face from Alberta, from Calgary. And he actually said, the new wine that's coming in this upcoming season is an outpouring of the Holy Spirit, a gift from the Father. Because it is a gift from the Father, it will require his kind of wineskin to sustain it. And that wineskin is a family. That was the prophetic word that he had to give to us. That this, this thing that God wants to do is a gift of family. It's a, it's a gift from the Father's heart and the family will sustain or uphold what he's doing. I think um, when we start to look at it from that perspective, it gives us a little bit more stick-to-it-ness. Basically, your family, I hope your family's not like this, but when your family has a disagreement or somebody does something stupid or, I mean, we had a winter where literally two members of our family, and I was one of them, each backed into another family member's car in our driveway. Like there was so much stress going on in our lives and in our home, open the garage door, hit reverse, boom, into some other family member's car. You know, once is accident twice is like what are we drinking right now what are we what's in the food what's in the water that we did uh. but you know um nobody ever considered that's it you're out of the family now like well mom you've backed into my car you are no law you are voted off the family island like right nobody says it they might think it but they don't say it and there's the thing with family that it's like wow that was a moronic move Let's, let's not talk until we cool down for a little bit because we're family forever. You know, there's a, there's a connection that you don't, marriages that every time you have a fight, you actually contemplate divorce, don't make it. 
solid marriages actually have some pretty good fights sometimes. You have to be able to air out what needs to be aired out and do it in a respectful, honoring way, but you can fight and be better on the other side of that. Do you know that? Families that never have any disagreements, they haven't really been tested. The metal hasn't been tested. And so, you know, this kind of thing, when God calls us to be a family, he's like, you know, choose to be here. Choose to be part of this. And so breaking this down a little bit, different families carry different characteristics, different genetics, different hobbies, different goals, different priorities. You know, um, whether you're, you know, some families are very focused on education. Some families are very focused on like music lessons. Some families are very focused on sports. Usually there's a reason behind that. There's a family uh, bent towards a certain things and there's values that come through that sort of stuff. The family that you are in in a church has specific things that we prioritize. It's not that everything's not good or everything's not maybe of God, but what are the things that we've been assigned to? And that's kind of a big deal. Every family has a way of being, an unspoken set of identifiers that make them unique. And so I've, you know, I used to teach this with our worship team because it was like, honestly, I mean, we would, we would get together with different worship team groups and you could tell, like, I mean, the music sheets would come out and the beautiful instruments and you could tell this is like, I mean, it's just like, heaven like it's just perfect like it's so beautiful it's a stuff like I sit there and cry you know the cello's going or the violin or whatever and I'm like oh dear god that's amazing but you want somebody to dance around the stage and shout god is good you call victory and um now it has improved a lot since Mel took over because she actually can do both. But when it was our group, we had like one person on the team that could actually read music and the rest of us were like, G, it's probably G, let's go to G, okay. You know, and, and we, but, but who were the ones that were like, yeah, let's put on a public event. Let's go out there and just sing on the streets. Let's go out there and play. I mean, we played at everything. We've played at rodeos. We played at the Christmas uh, things at the, for the city. We've played in the park. We've done all the stuff poorly, but passionately. And, and God takes when we're faithful with little and gives us much. And so very grateful for the growth. Yep, that's us. That's so I used to put a picture on the on the screen and I had a a picture of like, you know, these ninja warriors and they're the ones that get in and they're just like those prophetic warriors that just can go exactly where they need to go. And then there's like, you know, Marines and they're marching and everything's orderly and it's in time and it's, you know, it's got structure to it. And they're the ones that actually can pull off some of these major events that need structure. And then there's like the Braveheart face where everybody's painted blue and waving a sword and that is a little bit more victory-esque. Um, and just in how we do things, in the sense that if God says do it, we just go, okay, we're in, we'll figure it out on the way. You know, and if that bugs you, you might be one of the people God sent to help organize us. Like Jody, Jody's that person, you know? She, she sent me pictures on Wednesday of all the door prizes, which you want your name in for today, all the stuff that had been purchased and packaged up and stacked up. If I was in charge of it, that would have been happening at 10 p.m. last night. 
Guaranteed. I would have left myself some outs in case I changed my mind. So she had it done by Wednesday night and actually had a day off yesterday. Like, that's amazing. So God grows us as we're faithful with what we are. But this is, this is the nature of this house is we're passionate and we're expressive and we'll, we'll say yes to God whenever we possibly have the opportunity. We'll just, we'll just do it. And God is, is expanding us because of that. This is what we call our culture. And so a culture is, by definition, this is how we do things here. This is the culture. This is how we do things here. And it's not saying that it's necessarily brilliant or without subject to change or whatever, but it is how we are here. So sometimes, and I just want to say this for any who might be considering, you know, your church home. Like if, if you like a lot of structure and you like things to be a little bit more precise or whatever, it just might not be the right spot for you. And in the same way, I actually, like I'm a, obviously assertive teacher kind of person. I actually was at a really quiet church and I was asked to leave the ladies Bible study and told this might not be the right spot for you. I know, who's been kicked out of Bible study before? I, I just didn't agree with what was being taught. And you know what? The teacher was right to do that because I needed to find my spot to be and not sit there and poke at her every week going, do you really believe that? Do you really believe that? I don't think the word says that. Have you looked that up in the Greek? You know, that's, that's not kind. So I ended up finding what I call my tribe. Now we talk about our tribe around here a lot. And um, I've been you know, we bump into this online a lot that this is an offensive word. That when we say tribe, it's offensive to certain people and um, certain, basically it's connected to colonialism. Let me just help you for anybody who's ever been offended by us saying that. Because Mel said it a few times last week. I think I said it the week before. Um, Genesis. There are tribes from the very beginning of recorded time, and it goes back to Jacob, it goes back to Esau, it goes back to the breakdown of Jacob's sons, the 12 tribes, you know, the, 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 the prophetic word that came down when Jacob laid his hands on his sons, and he said, for each one of them, he gave a prophetic word. And he explained to them, this is what your family line's gonna be about. Like the tribe of Levi will serve in the, in the um, what do you call it? Temple. Yeah. They, they will be the ones. They won't own land. They will be given a place of land, a part of every other tribe, and they'll serve me. That's their job. They're going to help you do that. Judah's going to be the ones that go out, and they're, they're a little bit more warlike. They're a little bit this. There's some that are more farming-like. There's Every tribe had an assignment. And so we say, like, we just... You want to you wanna find your tribe. You want to find the place that connects with, and what we mean by that, it connects with the, the, the thing that God has put on the inside of you. Like, this is my nature. This is my calling. This is, this is what I can identify with. This must be my tribe. And you ask God. And so we're not meaning anything, you know, about more recent history. We mean, biblically speaking, who are you? Who are you the most like? Most of us, when we read the New Testament, there's a different uh, disciple that we connect with. You know, we all have somebody that we are like, oh, yeah, I totally get what James is saying. Totally. You know, there's, there's different ways of interacting with God. Not wrong, but just different. And so breaking this down, um, one of my favorite quotes, Craig Rochelle talking about culture, says, culture is a combination of what you create and what you allow. 
what you create and what you allow. So in other words, there's a part that we do very purposefully, what we create, and then there's a part of what we allow. In other words, the things that just happen by default because this is the nature of most of the people in the house or whatever. And so sometimes we have to very hard pivot back to what we create. And we have to make sure that we're not allowing things that are outside of the culture that God has called us to build in this house. So for instance, um, one of the things that's in our, in our uh, 10 tenants with Victory is that we're about people, not programs. Do you know programs have a life of their own? It's like for every program you start, there's eight other ones that go, well, can we also have a program? And, uh, you know, one of my personal things, I try and nip it as much as I can, and there might even be some more nips this year. But do you know if we separate young men, middle-aged men, older men, young women, women with kids, women without kids, women in the workforce, Older women, we, we separate marrieds and singles, adults, young adults, who's considering themselves a young adult, who actually is a young adult, who's... <laughs> there are times and places to connect with people who you can share interests with, but the fact is we all benefit from the joint company of one another, truly. There is a reason when, when it says that he, uh, in Joel, I will pour out my spirit on all flesh. Your old men will dream dreams. Your young, young men will have visions on my men servants, my maid servants. There's something for everybody. And it's about getting together and sharing where you're at. There's a lot of young moms who would benefit from one of the older ladies saying, actually, that's normal. You're not freaking out. This happens. It'll pass. I mean, I had a thing with... with um, our dog that just literally, when we first got him, about seven months old, I just about gave him away or ran him over myself. He was such a brat and so too big to be like that. And it was so frustrating. And I found online a thing that said, most dogs are surrendered to a dog shelter between nine months and a year. And I'm like, game on. Let me know that this is normal and I suddenly have the fortitude to withstand it. I know that I can get past this. Are you with me? The joint community is how we pour into one another's lives. And, and the people who are a little bit older that feel like they're, they're maybe past the, the point of, of purpose or being needed or whatever. The younger people need you. Younger people, you need to know there's wisdom ahead of you. you. You don't need to figure it out yourself. And the same thing, do you know that I read a thing that said older people who live alone are less likely to eat nutritiously? Because it's, it's hard to like make meals for yourself and just sit there and eat. And they, they live longer and eat healthier and live healthier lives in community. Specifically in family was what the article said. Like we need one another. And so in this family, we like to not separate off into 9 million programs. We like to have as many that we can blend with as possible. And there are different groups. But as much as we can, we're going to blend things together. I'm going to give you the five things that are specific to our culture. Are you still with me? Yeah. Some of you are like, I'm so not in here. I'm, no, I think, I think it's great that you're here. I'm just telling you, you know, there's a, there's a thing that happens when um, God leads you to a place. We have a natural resistance often in, um, in our culture to just wait and see what happens. I'm just telling you, 
like there are times to go wide open. Like if you feel like this is where God has assigned you, whether you've been here for five weeks or five years or 15 years, you have to let your heart be open to embrace who this family is if you're going to experience the benefits of the family. That it's, that's truly how it works, right? So our breakdown on this one, if you, if you haven't got one of these, there's some at the front. Most people catch them on the way in, but this is our culture statement. It says, Victory Church Grand Prairie is a multi-generational, multicultural family passionately pursuing God and his purposes on the earth. That's our basic action plan. This is, this is who we are. Multi-generational, we will not target, you know, we happen to have a super young city, so we do have a, like a lower demographic, but we value all ages. Multicultural. I love that God has sent the world to us here in Grand Prairie. Pastor Paul used to always say you can fly anywhere in the world from here. Turns out that plane works both ways. And you can come here from anywhere in the world too, which is awesome. Passionately pursuing God. That word was specifically put in there because we're not just going to coast. This is who we are. Passionately pursuing God and his purposes on the earth, not our own. So breaking it down, our first culture statement is, in this family, we put God first. In this family, we put God first. Proverbs 3, 5 to 6 says, Trust in the Lord with all your heart. Lean not on your own understanding. In all your ways, acknowledge him, and he shall direct your paths. That breakdown is so important. In all your ways, acknowledge him. It means that... Um, you know, some people will be like, why, you know, why is it so churchy? Why do you have to have the, like, why do we have to have worship at the beginning of every meeting? Because we always put God first. We're not going to apologize for it. That's just who we are. Pastor George said he actually did an experiment in one, one set of foundations classes. He would just open in prayer and then do the teaching. And the next set, he started with 20 minutes of worship and then did the teaching. And he said it was night and day different like night and day different in the ability for people to actually be able to receive the teaching. So we will always put God first. We will always, you know, he gets the priority. We will always open in prayer. Our board meetings, we open in prayer. We talk about what God is doing. We honor him. And then we talk about the budget. Like it's, it's always going to be him first. John 15, 5, I am the vine, you are the branches. He who abides in me and I in him bears much fruit. For without me, you can do nothing. So our, our hope is that, you know, by always putting God first, there's the ability, there's the strength. This is where our faith connects with the word. If God tells us to do it and we're connected to him, he'll produce the fruit. If we focus on fruit, we can only sustain it for a little while. There is non-stop public collapses right now of churches and ministries, and it's sickening. It's sickening. And I believe sometimes what happens is that the focus gets off to being, you know, fruitful and off of I'm a son, a daughter, I'm pursuing him first. This is why we do pursuit the first uh, Sunday night of the month. If you're new here, that's and always, if it's a long weekend, we bump it so it's coming this coming Sunday. Um, but we always, we want to give the top of the month to God and we just want to pursue him. Why? Because we're trying to create a, a worship movement? No. Because if we don't seek him first, we're screwed. Like it's honestly, nothing works well if we don't give him preeminence in our lives and in this house. He is the Lord of this house. It's his church, not any one of ours. Number two, that in this family, we show hospitality. 
And this is a big one, and it's something that, like today doing the barbecue, and just for the record, our kids uh, team and uh, youth team have put together all the games. There's all kinds of stuff. There's like bubbles, sidewalk chalk, games, prize. Like, it's awesome. Um, but we like to do hospitality well. And one of the definitions of hospitality that, that I found was open-hearted welcome. It's not just putting on the coffee. It is open-hearted welcome. That we cannot put a program in place for. It can't be about the staff. It can't be about the people who are assigned a name tag to be on hospitality. It is open-hearted welcome. That means in this house, people should be able to find a spot where they are welcomed in. And when we talk about the culture statements, when it's what we... Um, what we create and what we allow. And when I say that we have to make a correction course sometimes, this is probably one of the hardest ones. It's hard in our city in general. It's hard in Northern Canada in general. And it's really hard in the church world. And so like I, I um, was talking to one of the younger families that attends the church and she said, for instance, they've been here like a year and a half. Nobody has invited them to their house. That's going to be a problem if we're having open-hearted welcome, right? Um, there's somebody I talked to just a few weeks ago that said they've been here four weeks and nobody had said hello to them. That's a problem. So open-hearted welcome is not about, boy, did you like the worship today? Or boy, did you like the preaching today? It means every single one of us has an obligation to look out beside, beyond our own eyelids to the person who's sitting right there that's maybe struggling today, right? And for sure, it's not intentional. It just is because our culture is so the other direction. We have to be aggressively intentional the other way. Like aggressively swim upstream on this one. And so we want to be that kind of place. So that's not a spanking. It's just a reminder. Sometimes people can slip through the cracks. The more of us that are watching the cracks, the less slippage there will be, right? Fair enough? So open-hearted welcome. 1 John 4:19. we love him because he first loved us. 1 Peter 4, 8 to 9, and I love this one. It says, and above all things, have fervent love for one another, for love will cover a multitude of sins. Be hospitable to one another without grumbling. <laughs> I'll just leave that <laughs> for you there. Number three in this family, right? It's in the word, everybody. There's a reason that when Jesus, when he was praying like his last prayer, John 15, and he's praying that they would love one another. He wasn't praying that, that they would love everybody out there. If they love one another, everybody out there is going to want to come in. That's how that works. If we don't love each other very well, then it's really hard to sell that to anybody else. It's really hard to say, you know what? You need to be part of this. Like the love of Jesus. It's really hard for that to happen when you only hear about people who are upset with the church. Now, do we get it right all the time? No. But when you start with in this family, we, then it should be okay to have an I'm sorry. I'm sorry I hurt you. I'm sorry I said that. I'm sorry you fell through the cracks. That was never our intention. I'm sorry that you felt discarded. I'm sorry that you felt missed. Like, can we have a do-over? And as a loving, hospitable family, the answer is yes. 
Yes, you can. Yes, let's try again. We don't get to harbor bitterness. We don't get to harbor offense. We don't get to harbor that place of anger and, and closed offness. We have to choose to love one another. That is open-hearted welcome. So number three then, in this family, we support one another. God puts the solitary in families and no one is meant to do life alone. We grow and thrive best in community. I was reading an article about even just natural families and people that are in communities like this one. And do you know that the statistics show that uh, there is better financial stability in a, in a communal group where people have a family mentality? Weird. But it actually leads to longevity at workplaces. People are a little bit more satisfied. They dig in. They are more productive. Um, there's also a downturn in uh, crime because generally speaking, the basic statistic is people who are in prison that have family that visits them or communicates with them are 40% less likely to reoffend. So literally just having a family, in the, even in the natural, a family that cares for you when you're in your broken spot brings about a, a level of healing that you can't find on your own. Imagine when you connect that to addictions, when you connect that to emotional brokenness, when you connect that to mental health issues, when you're part of a community, if, if even in its most basic form, people are less likely to reoffend criminally if they have somebody who cares for them, how much more likely are we to actually see success in our lives, in the things that God's called us to, if we have a family to support us? How many of you in the last two years felt like quitting something? You know, maybe the words actually came out of your mouth, like, I can't do this anymore. I don't, I'm, maybe I'm not cut out for this. I can't do this job. I don't want to do this relationship. I, I don't want to do life. We all have those points when we need somebody to come around us and say, you know what, I'm praying for you. Practically speaking, can I bring you some soup? You know, can we sit and have coffee together? Can we, can we talk it out? Can I help you think talk it? And let's find out what God's got to say about it. Let's pray together. Let's, let's support one another. Let me watch your kids. You're not going to kill them today. Let me watch them. You go out and take an hour or two to yourself. Like what happens if we support one another? During these last couple years with the pressures that were on, I've shared this before, but I, I talked to several men, several men, who actually said to me, I don't know where this came from, but I was driving home from work the other night and there was a voice in my head that said, drive into oncoming traffic. And I just wanted it to end. I'm not normally like that. I don't know where that came from. Oh, if that person is going home to it, an empty life and nobody cares and there's nobody checking on them and there's nobody who says you know we're going to miss you if you don't show up at this thing if you're not at mentor group you're not at church on Sunday if nobody says you know what God put you on my heart today is there anything going on just praying for you today what if what what if you are literally alone because God never intended us to be that way. So we are here to support one another and most of us hate being the one that needs to be supported. We're all like, oh, I, I'm happy to support people. I'm such a wreck. Yeah. Did you call somebody? No, I just feel so bad. Come on. We're, we support one another. This is what we're called to do. And in this, we actually see the fullness of God. 
Psalm 68, 6, God sets the solitary in families and he brings out those who are bound into prosperity. But the rebellious dwell in a dry land. Literally, there is a measure of prosperity in life that comes from being part of a family. That's just a spiritual principle. 1 Corinthians 12, 20 to 27, it says, Now, indeed, there are many members, yet one body. And the eye cannot say to the hand, I have no need of you. Nor again, the head to the feet, I have no need of you. No, much rather, those members of the body which seem to be weaker are necessary. And those members of the body who we think are less honorable, on these we bestow greater honor. And on our present, unpresentable parts have greater modesty. But our presentable parts have, the, sorry, have no need. But God composed the body, having given greater honor to that part which lacks it. That there should be no schism in the body, that all the members should have the same care for one another. And if one member suffers, all the members suffer with it. And if one member is honored, all the members rejoice with it. Now you are the body of Christ and members individually. You have something to contribute to the body. And I know if you've been in the church for any length of time, we've all heard this, what's your part of the body, blah, blah, blah. Um, I don't mean to minimize it. <laughs> Legit, everybody has a part. I've been watching my husband the last... Uh, how long since you fell off the roof? <laughs> a while. Wrecked his shoulder, whatever. And I'm watching him go about his work favoring that shoulder all the time. And everything looks more awkward than it should. And everything makes him more tired than it should because he's got one piece that's basically missing at the moment, right? It's the same in the church. It can look like we're actually getting stuff done, but it's a whole lot easier if all the parts are doing their bit. If everybody shares their little bit. I said to Wayne this morning, I'm so excited to see what happens this afternoon because for the first time in all of our church events, I actually have no idea. Once I wrap things up here, I'm in the party with everybody else because somebody else planned it all. Somebody did all the grocery shopping. Somebody set up all the... T oh, I, I bought the, the dancing man. I, that's, that's me. It's my contribution to the afternoon, people. But literally, everybody's doing their part and everybody still got to have a long weekend. Like our staff still got to have a long weekend because everybody's doing their part. This is how it's meant to be. So not only does it benefit the body and increase our ability to reach out, but also let me just say this as super bluntly as I can. If you are not a part of the body, you will not get to use your giftings the way God has intended them to be used. Straight up. There is, there is no spot. It literally says... It literally says, verse 25, that there should be no schism or lack in the body, that the members should have the same care for one another. So the body, your gifts are not meant for you to do something on your own, out there, by yourself, and, and hope that you can bring about the best of it. It is literally, because we are a body, it's literally like being, I'm a, I'm a football quarterback, Great, if you don't have a team, you are a dude throwing a ball at yourself, and good for you. Like, 
You know, if your dog's on the other end of this thing trying to catch it, you, you might feel like you're a good quarterback, but it doesn't really get to get showcased until you're playing with a team, right? It doesn't really get to get showcased until everybody else is doing their bit. Somebody's blocking, somebody's throwing, somebody's running, somebody, you know, everybody's doing their part and your bit shows up. There's a lot of people in recent years in, in Holy Spirit things that are like, oh, I have a gift of prophecy. If you are not submitted to a church, you do not. It is, it is there for the edifying of the body. And anybody comes to me randomly and says, I've got a prophetic word for the church. Do you attend here? Are you attending your local body? If there is no connection point and I can't verify who you are, I don't listen to it. Just that's, that's the honest to goodness truth. I'm a beautiful prophetic singer. Great. Mel's going to want to put you in the choir for six months to just see how you do with the team. No, I'm a prophetic singer. No, you're not. Thank you. <laughs> Legit. It is, it is the safety that God's given us. To, to be able to support one another, to call out the best in one another. Anybody from this church who says they're from this church that might feel like they're going to just go off and do stuff, you need to understand that I get phone calls about you. People will say, does this person attend your church? You know, can you, can you validate their ministry? If I don't even barely know your name, I'm going to have a hard time doing that. I'm certainly not going to say, yes, that's a word from God. I'm going to say, maybe they should come see me first, run it past me. You know, not about control, safety. Yes. Respecting the, the, the nature of God and making sure that his name is not defamed by somebody. And we all would say about ourselves, I'm not, I'm not like that. So does every crazy person out there. <laughs> so legit, I mean, are you, you know, everybody offended now? I'm like, oh. <laughs> this is the safety of the family. Like, we got kids that are, that are buying a house right now. We get the texts. We get the screenshots. We get the check out this on Realtor app. You know, mom and dad, what do you think of this one? We're the ones that go through and say, the shingles don't look great. The fence looks like it's falling down. They're like, but it's so pretty. Yeah, that's just their furnishings, you know. <laughs> like, we're, we're the safety net to help. It, it, family does that for one another. Or they have you talked to this person. They seem like they're doing a little, like they're not doing so great right now. Family will catch you before you fall. Or at least help you up if you do. So this is, this is what it is. It's to support one another. Number four, then in this family, we look for opportunities. We look for opportunities to help, to serve, to give, to love. We are blessed to be a blessing. So we are constantly, and, and we're going to be talking about this the next couple weeks. Um, here's how I feel about you, just so you know. I don't... I don't... Um, I don't care that this house is full for the sake of this house being full. I have no need to put a stamp on anything and say we have X amount of hundreds of people at this church and X amount of income. I have zero need for us to have X amount of followers online or whatever. What I see is people who God has seen fit to assign to us who are called 
to change the world. Maybe one farm field at a time. Maybe one restaurant at a time. Maybe one hospital room at a time. Maybe one daycare at a time. But you have lives. You have marriages. Some are single parents. You have kids. Some are praying for kids. You've got grandkids. You've got lives. You've got responsibilities. You've got financial issues. You've got stuff that, that you deal with. And my goal is never to say, man, we need all the ministries in this house just pumping because uh, you know, we want to be able to say that we got 300 people going to Bible study or whatever. If I actually say that, what I mean is there are 300 people that are learning kingdom principles and it's going to change this world. It's going to change their family. It's going to change their marriage. It's going to change their children. It's going to change their workplace. Praise God, we've got 300 people in Bible study. Like it's, it's not that. It's not about kingdom building. It is about the kingdom of God is advancing. The kingdom of God suffers violent and the violent take it by force. I want to help you be violent. If we get a little aggressive in here, it's because you know what? You can change the school system. You can change the hospital system. You can change the political system. You can change your neighborhood. You can change the pornography that's going on in your household. You can deal with the drugs on the street. We can deal with some of the issues that we're begging for some agency to pick up, but it's the church's responsibility. That's how I see this church. And when it hurts, when there's stuff going on, I don't feel like it's a bother. Often, I got to tell you, probably 70% of the emails or messages that I get from church members start with, I'm sorry to bother you, but please know it is not a bother. I may not answer you at 3 a.m., but it's not a bother if you are going through something in your work world, in your marriage, in your family, and you need somebody to come alongside you and show you what tools to use, it is our privilege in this house to get to do that with you. It is our joy to get to do that with you. And, and, and I'm just gonna toss this one in as, as an aside. This is personal for me, but um, because I see things this way and I know not everybody does, I'm just asking you this as a personal favor, family business. I know a lot of people just feel like, you know, they don't, it doesn't really matter if they're in a local church or whatever. It's fine to just watch online and, you know, we'll go to this church this week and that church next week and whatever. Um, but for somebody who feels family as deeply as we do around here, when people leave the church and don't tell us, you need to know there's a lot of tears that get cried. Because when you leave an organization it's no big deal, you know? And people are like, well, good, they landed somewhere. When you leave a family, it feels like a divorce. And it hurts. And so, you know, if God's telling you, like, you know what, maybe we're, we're being called somewhere else, you know, just, just a phone call or a text or a letter would mean a ton. Because it really sucks to, you know, when we do the, the math and we're like, we haven't seen those people in a couple months. And then they're like, oh, well, we left. Just let us know. 
you know, as a family, when your kids are like, mom, I think it's time to move out. You're like, okay, good. Like, we bless you to go, you know, but if, if all of a sudden they just moved out and didn't tell you, it'd be like weird, right? And I want to say the same thing moving in for those who maybe are feeling called to be part of this house. Please make sure that you were, you know, released from where you've come from. We don't want to be the kind of place that people just you know, we're not just looking to fill the seats is what I'm saying. If God's called you and, and this feels like this is your tribe and this is the right thing, then just please, just please ask to be blessed from the place that you're coming from, you know? Because um, it's, it's kingdom. At the end of the day, we all want to go to those citywide events and not be dodging people, right? You want to not have to look the other way. So that's family. We want to make sure that we're looking for the opportunities to bless one another in whatever that looks like. Part of that is just in our faithfulness to the house. Number five, final thing. You still with me? Yeah. yeah. Are you glad to be here? Yeah. Some of you are like, this is a really intense church. I had no idea. I was just planning, visiting. But anyway, in this family, we serve with excellence. As we serve others, we serve God. He deserves our best. Our definition of excellence is around here is doing the best you can with what you've got. So our level of excellence goes up as God increases us. You know, when we started, I, I often talk about when I started leading worship, I still remember the very first public event I did. It was a Women's Aglow event. I had a Casio keyboard and Wayne duct taped a microphone onto a broomstick. Now I have this lovely microphone that does stuff all by itself. It's wonderful. But you know, it, that was our best at the time and God honored it and he showed up. And along the way, God increases us and blesses us. But we never settle for, eh, that'll do. We do our very best. And that's the nature of this house. 1 Corinthians 10, 31. Therefore, whether you eat or drink or whatever you do, you do it all for the glory of God. Matthew 20 has this one passage and it's talking about servanthood and I, I want to come back to this. In this family, we serve with excellence. We serve with excellence. It's not just we produce with excellence. And the serve is something that we all need to grasp. This is part of our culture. This is natural to us. Do you know, I, I've, I've talked to a lot of families, not necessarily in this house, but in general, that are like, you know, we don't want our kids to hate church. So we don't want to, we don't want to, you know, have them at the church all the time. We don't want them to be doing too much. Do you know, statistically, if you want your kids to actually value church as adults, they really should see this as the safe place that they regularly come. If this is a bother and you are preferring everything else, they will see this as an optional place instead of the family that it's intended to be. And when they're adults and they're having marriage issues and they're having kid issues and they're having financial problems, if you want them to run to God and find the safety in the company of other believers, childhood is where it starts. This is why this afternoon, just a preamble, there will be a ton of sugar. Um, <laughs> There is ice cream, there is bubbles, there is all kinds of stuff because we want kids to be like, there's a party at the church. Not like, are we going to the church? Do we have to stay for that? Yes, we do get to stay for that. And we, as those who are serving at it, we are serving the future generation. That's how this works. It's amazing. 
But it says in Matthew 20, then the mother of Zebedee's sons came to him with her sons, kneeling down and asking something from him. And he said to her, what do you wish? And she said to him, grant that these two sons of mine may sit, one on your right hand and the other on your left in your kingdom. But Jesus answered and said, you do not know what you ask. Are you able to drink the cup that I'm about to drink and be baptized with the baptism that I'm baptized with? And they said, we're able. So he said to them, you will indeed drink my cup and be baptized with the baptism that I'm baptized with. But to sit on my right hand and on my left is not mine to give, but it's for those for whom it is prepared by my father. And when the 10 heard it, they were greatly displeased with the two brothers. But Jesus called them and said to himself, and he said, you know that the rulers of the Gentiles lord it over them, and those who are great exercise authority over them. Yet it shall not be so among you. But whoever desires to become great among you, let him be your servant. And whoever desires to be first among you, let him be your slave. Just as the Son of Man did not come to be served, but to serve, and to give his life as a ransom for many. And I just want to sit on that for a minute. I'm going to have the worship team come. We'll close with this. Um, but this concept of service, I want you to understand, maybe you've never heard this from a pastoral perspective or not. Um, I literally was sitting with some of our staff this week who are being called into the ministry. And, and I said, you know, it is, it is we call it a, a call to lead, but it's a call to serve. And I remember when I was being ordained and um, one of our daughters said to me, well, this is, this is, this is it then, mom, hey, like for like the rest of your life. What? Well, honestly, if we say the gifts and callings of God are without repentance and he calls us into certain things, like, okay, I am committing myself to this thing. And, and we've had this like weird, um, weird thing within churches where it's like the hierarchy the high place that we we get to is like if you're if you serve really well if you love really well if you read your bible really well you'll get to be the pastor like it's some sort of an achievement it is not a pinnacle that we aspire to what it is is the call to be the coach on the sidelines so that you can play the game literally it is not a call to, like, yes, we lead. Yes, we're responsible. But I said to this uh, team member, I said, you know, what, what you're signing up for is that every holiday of the year, Christmas, Easter, Thanksgiving, you know, whatever, your family holidays will not be on those days. You will serve the house. And we will honor the fact that our family brings their families to this house. And so, yep, Christmas is a big work day. Easter's a biggest work work weekend of the year you're committing to that it's saying that I, I recognize that I am putting my life in the position so that I can help you steward your job well run your business with excellence dream bigger plan higher I am putting myself in the position to help you run the race I am stepping into the place to help you get through your past baggage so that you can run forward with great joy. I am helping you deal with the, the devils and the brokenness of your past so that you can dream the dream that God put in your heart. My dream as a leader, as a pastor in this house is not for you to fulfill my dreams. It's for me to help you fulfill God's dream in your life. That's the whole goal. So when we say like, it's, it's, time to concentrate on being a family because that's the wineskin God wants to use to reveal his purposes in this hour. 
This is not me saying, we want you to make this church successful. It is me saying, God has called us as a family to pray and to walk out your kingdom come, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. And we get to do this together. So are you with me? Let's stand together. I just wanna pray over this year and then can we do that opening song again? We're gonna party and, and then we're gonna give you the results of the bean counting and uh, what numbers are in there and somebody's gonna get a prize before we even start today. This is, this is not meant to be a bag on anybody in any way. I'm telling you, this is, this is what we aim to be. If we failed in some way, let's improve it. Let's fix it. But this is who God's called us to be as a house. Lord, today we thank you for the joy of knowing you. We thank you for the gift of salvation, God. We thank you that nobody is past the point of your grace. Lord, that you reach us, you find us, and according to your word, you put the solitary in families. And family is a safe place. Family is a place where we can grow. Family is a place where we get to try out the gifts that you give us, God. Family is a place where we comfort one another, we rejoice with one another, we grieve with one another, God. We experience you together. And Lord, we thank you for your call upon this family. I thank you that every person who you've assigned to this house would be easily grafted in. Lord, that it would be obvious that you would help us, Lord, to do this well, that you'd help us to have open-hearted welcome for one another. You'd help us, God, to look for the opportunities. You'd help us to do what we do with excellence, God. Lord, we thank you for the increase that you are bringing in this house. We thank you that there's more and more ahead of us. And God, it's not about numbers in the seats, but God, it's about the kingdom at work upon the earth and lives being transformed by the goodness of our God. Lord, we submit ourselves to your plan and your purposes, and I pray for every heart today, Lord, that they would find that place of rest firstly in you, and then in the house to which you've assigned them. And we give you the praise for it today, Lord, in Jesus' name. Amen. Thanks again for listening to this message from Victory Church Grand Prairie. You can stay connected with us on Facebook, Instagram, and YouTube by using at VictoryChurchGP. If you have any questions, would like to access our online resources, or would like to sow into this ministry, you can visit us at www.VictoryGP.com. You can also text to give. Just text 587-207-4387 and follow the prompting. Thanks again for joining us at Victory GP. Reach. Teach. Mobilize.